there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline from the Brian Blessing Studio in Las Vegas. Chris Johnson, Chris the Moose Johnson behind the controls, doing a fantastic job today. Got that confident look on your face. I haven't messed up yet, so I'm, no, I'm, I know. I don't you, want to jinx myself either. So I'm a little, I'm a little sketched right you now. You came in today. You're sketched. It's so sketched. 19, sketched. Jeez. I mean, you know, like the rest of the word is so long that we can't be bothered. I, I need a Gen X dictionary. I a Gen, I know. Or a Gen Y. You might be a Gen Y kid. Oh, uh, 2002. I don't know what that is. I don't know what mine is. I really don't. You're a kid. Yeah. Especially I'm young. compared to Dana and I, we're old enough to be a grandfather. Well, relax. At least Steve. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're old enough to be his daddy. You know, I'm old enough to be the guy still wandering around looking for a girlfriend, but. Luckily, I got a wife. Oh, I convinced one person. <laughs> well, two in my lifetime, but one that's relevant right now. Anyway, the legend Steve Carp has joined us on Vegas Hockey Hotline. How are you, buddy? I am good. Got a good report from the cardiologist, even though it took me an hour to see him this morning. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? My, I hate that, man. My, I hate that. My daughter had some seizures, and the process just to get to see a specialist is insane. My appointment was for 9.15 a.m. I show up at 9. I check in. And I'm, all right, 9.15 rolls around, 9.20, 9.25. Now they're starting to call people who come in after me, and I'm saying to myself, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> so it's about a quarter to 10. I finally say something to the gal at the front desk. Uh, excuse me, did you forget about me? I have an appointment with Dr. Lolly. Did you tell him you were Steve Carp? I did not. I didn't, no, that I didn't was close, that though. Card. Yep. No, no, I didn't give her the do-you-know-who-I-am card. <laughs> the Michael Irvin special? As if special. she should care less. Oh, she so would know. instead, they say, well, you have a copay of $35. Oh, so that's what we're waiting on? <laughs> I, could, could somebody maybe tell me? I said... Here, how about I get you 40 and we'll get in now? I said, well... It would be nice for you to tell me out up front because I'm on Medicare and all that stuff's supposed to be taken care of. Why am I paying $500 a mo- uh, every three months then? So anyway, long story short, I get in finally at about a quarter after 10. Guy says, you're fine. Your blood pressure's a little high. I said, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, me. you should see who I'm working with on the radio. Of course it is. It's through I the said, roof. No, I said, <laughs> you, your blood pressure would be high too if you had to wait an hour to see the doctor. Oh, there you go. So he apologized, yeah. and uh, I got out of here in time to get a cup of coffee, and here I am, and we're ready to go. I'll tell you what, we saw some crazy stuff on the ice last night. Hey, insane. Yeah, I mean. That L.A.-Edmonton game and, and St. Louis coming back, man. I mean, the postseason, the games themselves have not been great, but the series have been fantastic. And, I mean, and there's Toronto no difference. last night, you know, Matthews delivering – one thing I'm noticing. Oh, to please talk about Matthews because I, I will bring this up as well. And the way at he's least, conducting himself on at, the ice. At least the top players. Yes. Crosby in yes. Pittsburgh. There you go. Um, Tarasenko in St. Louis. Um, Kempe in, in L.A. They're delivering. They're coming through for their teams. Well, that's what you – I mean, And this is why, you know, Boston, when they're winning – is because their best players because the perfection are on the perfection line. That's Pasternak, right. And those guys are delivering. Let's uh, go ahead and bring in Billy Jaffe, Bruins analyst on mm-hmm. Nesson and, of course, NHL Network. And, Billy, thanks for joining us today. And we, we talked about – I just want to touch on the draft lottery a little bit. Uh, should we not be able – I mean, one of the, the things that drives me crazy, and I, I realize, hey, look, I mean, these guys, who knows who's going to make an impact or not. But for the sake of not getting all these conspiracy theories in my inbox on a daily basis, could we please just see the whole process so we know it's on the up and up? Oh. <laughs> I mean, is that well, too much to ask? I don't – I mean, no. But on the other hand, I, I'd be – I don't think it's rigged now, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so uh, maybe I'm not the right one to ask that. But, I I mean, look, the Montreal Canadiens had the best odds of winning, you know, and, and New Jersey bumped up. So 
it ended up playing out for one team and the other got very lucky again. But, I mean, overall, it, that quite honestly, it's never bothered me. I, I know it doesn't that go back to the Patrick Ewing draft? From yeah, the frozen when, right, when the Knicks and, uh, got Patrick Ewing. That's exactly right. What, With the frozen envelope. and <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. I, it doesn't bother me either because I don't make so much of these drafts because I need to see it on NHL ice before I start getting excited about a, about a draft. I mean, it's it's just I got too many other things to worry about. But I, but I hear it all the time on social media about, like, can't we see the process? And, yes, you know, Montreal should have, have moved up. And there's probably some people here that can't understand why the Knights didn't move up 10 spots. I mean, that surely is their right to do so after not making the postseason. So, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's where it's coming from. Hey, Billy, we're um, – what were the Bruins able to do in Boston that they just can't seem to find uh, when they go to Raleigh? Well, I guess you could say it for both teams because this series has been the ultimate homer, or as they say in Massachusetts, Alma series. I mean, the way that Carolina has dominated three games at home, and yet the Bruins have dominated the two games in Boston. So at home in Boston, there's the, there's the matchup game, and they get the Bergeron line away from Jordan Stahl and his line mates. And that's very favorable. And that helps out also with face-offs, which translates to better special teams, in particular the power play for the Bruins. They do a lot of nice set plays off the face-off. So that's been a difference. Um, the two games they've played at home, they, they've, they've played Jeremy Swayman, and he was really good after Lena Solmark. Wasn't bad, but wasn't great in the first two games in Carolina. Now Swayman played just like Omar did last night in Carolina. He wasn't great. But at home, I, I think, A, it's comfortable. And listen, I don't know how much home ice advantage there is anymore in the NHL when it's all said and done. However, I'm going to contradict myself and say, in this series, there seems to be a distinct home ice advantage, just from a comfort level and a matchup level. The matchup seems to be the biggest thing that both coaches get favorably when they're at home. Well, I'm, when I'm watching the games in Raleigh, I can hear it through the TV. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And, and if I can hear yeah. it, if I can feel it just sitting there, I, I know the players on the ice can feel that. That's a different. I don't get that in every arena, and I certainly did uh, watching uh, watching games in, in Carolina. Now, I've done a lot of games there, a lot of games. I mean, I was with the Atlanta Thrasher organization, and I was there, I don't remember how many times a year, and playoffs, I've done tons of games there for whether it was Versus or NHL Network, and it's gotten better and better. And you're right, you can feel it. There's no doubt, and it's loud. And I and I do think that they. I mean, you want to talk? I sound like an old man saying this. But they they make it really loud too with some you know generated <laughs> yeah. noise. If you know what I mean. Oh, we but do. Man, We're in Vegas. We know exactly what that means. <laughs> I mean, we can't even yeah. hear. We can't hear Sean McDonough say a word when when games are being done here. I, I don't know if it's an ESPN thing, but I can never hear announcers from here. And certainly it's when you go. Mix. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. But when you go into T-Mobile, though, it is really loud, though. Yeah, you're right. No, I agree with you. I've heard that on TV a couple mm-hmm. of times, too. It seems like the Knights have figured it out being the home team there. But when when the national telecast goes in there, you're, you're, you're correct. There's definitely a difference. Is the goaltender on the Bruins right now, whether it's Swayman or Allmark, is, are these the guys that are going to lead one day Boston to a Stanley Cup if, it, if it's not this year? I mean, as a um, Bruin guy, I just there's something that just says, oh boy, this, this is tough for me to have that relaxed well, feeling. Think about what you saw for the previous decade. See, what did you know for the previous decade in Boston? You knew to the rest. Right. You, you, know, you knew who your number one guy was going to be, right? Game in, game out. May not always have said, yeah, you felt 100%, but you, you just knew that you were going to have two grass there. And, you know, he led him to two finals uh, appearances in, in 15 and 19. And, you know, unfortunately for Bruins fans, they don't – or they uh, 13, beg your pardon, 19, they didn't win. But – you got a guy that you knew, Dana, was going to be the guy, right? Like you just knew it. Now you got two unknowns, and this is something that they haven't had here. Could Jeremy Swayman lead him? Sure, I could see that, but, I mean, this is a lame – this is a get-out-of-your-question answer. If only there was, you know, they got to get better in front of them. They need to get stronger physically, and and and, and structure-wise, they're great. Bruce Cassidy's teams play great structure. But physically, they need to get bigger in front of them, in particular on the back. And, and they, adding Lindholm 
was a great start. But they still need to shore up, you know, someone between the second and third pair. And I do think that they need guys up front. They need two more physically uh, imposing type players. Which is interesting when you're talking about the Bruins because that's never been a, a a problem for Boston in the past. But you could definitely see the difference. I mean, that is a major component as to why Boston is struggling with Carolina right now. I mean, it feels like Carolina is imposing their will on Boston at times. No question. No, no question, especially at home. Mm-hmm. They're generating uh, net front protection. And they're winning that battle, and they're getting to the front of the net against the Bruins. And so they're using um, their speed and their strength and their size. And if you really did, and I did this before the series began, I did a breakdown of just the size of these teams because, you know, the three regular season games, Carolina dominated Boston. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that. Right. But (laughs) they look so much bigger. And yet, when you put the numbers, especially with Lindholm now in the lineup, it's pretty much the same overall except Carolina plays bigger at home they absolutely swarm suffocate finish the Bruins at home now Svechnikov listen he's been just like a lot of other players but a guy like Svechnikov who had nine hits in game two including that mammoth one on Hampus Lindholm to put him out he hasn't been the same player on the road he looked like he was running around trying to make hits on the road whereas at home he was finishing hits upon, you know, meeting the opponent, meeting the Bruins right there and doing some really good stuff. So, I, I mean, when when Carolina's been on, there's no question they've been the better team. But I can say the same thing for the Bruins at home in the two games that they've won. And by the way, the Bruins in all three games in Carolina have started better than Carolina only to see Carolina score. And Carolina has scored better than the Bruins in Boston, and in fact, they've scored first, but not continued to play better all game. It's been a very, I'll use the word interesting, curious maybe is the better word, a scenario that we're seeing in all these five games. Hey, uh, Billy, it's Steve Karp. How are you? Um, I want to go back to uh, matchups you were talking about earlier in the Boston Carolina series. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, Pittsburgh Rangers series where it just seems like Gerard Gallant is really struggling to match up with Crosby, Rust, and Getzel. They are just dominating the Rangers. And even with home ice tonight, I'm not quite sure that's going to matter because they're just playing at such a high level. What, what are your thoughts about how Pittsburgh has really taken it to New York in this series? Um, you know, a couple of things. Um, I believe that they have rallied around their spicy pork and broccoli goaltender <laughs> right now, Louis Domingue. Um, you know, maybe not gotten too close to him after he's been eating that around the crease. But um, I, I think that um, I think they've used that as a rallying cry. Uh, I do think that structurally, uh, New York doesn't play as structured a game as Pittsburgh does. That's a credit to Mike Sullivan. I'm a big fan of Gerard Gallant too, but. He lets his guys go a little more, freelance a little more, and let's not look. Let's be honest. During the regular season, Igor Shosturkin uh, was phenomenal, and uh, many times, first half of the year, he kept this team in games because of his uh, greatness. And yeah. therefore, maybe that's coming back to haunt him a bit. Um, I agree with you. They have had a hard time with the cerebral nature of Crosby and Gensel and Rust and, 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 and Gensel is just one of my favorite players to watch. Oh, I love just him. love how he, he slides in and out and snipes with the great shot. And The guy that, if you ask the average fan, they'll know him. But if you had the casual fan, they would have no idea who he is. And that's scary considering he's a 40-goal guy. But I love his game. I think you're seeing on the back end for the Rangers. I do think you're seeing without Ryan Lindgren, too, they haven't been playing regularly. I think you're seeing an issue back there, fellas, mm. for for the Rangers. You know, Fox is good, really, obviously, Norris last year, but is he a matchup guy? Maybe not. Um, Keandre Miller is kind of, and they're playing him 26, 27 minutes a night, but he's still so, so young. And then you kind of get down to the other guys, and, you know, Lindgren, or if memory serves correct, he's only played one game yeah, he's in the series. And yeah. so, yeah, he's been hurting. So, there's a thumper, and there's a guy that relishes the stay-at-home role. 
And and I do think that has impacted them significantly. And the other guy they have who's going to be a hell of a defenseman, you could you could say that Braden Schneider, uh, Schneider's going to be one of their leaders probably within five years, three years maybe even for a 20-year-old. But he's not ready to be a shutdown match guy. I, I just think that the Rangers forwards are, are not competing from a, a defensive standpoint in terms of getting back and, and picking up their checks. And it's, it's creating mismatches for Pittsburgh. And they're simply exploiting the, the Ranger D. And it's really not always Shesterkin's fault well, that's when he gets beat. That's, you're right. Listen, those goals that were scored on Shesterkin the other night, I don't remember all seven, but I can tell you four, if not five, maybe even six, were off of screens, you know, m- multiple bodies, deflections in front. That doesn't mean that you don't need your goalie to make a save, right? Hockey cliche 101, pucks in deep, you know, that kind of stuff. And the, another one is need a save, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's not that you – I'm not blaming Igor Shosturkin, and it's hands down the right decision to play him tonight for them. However, you'd like him to make that one save that, you know, but overall it's been an absolute team defensive uh, flaw for the Rangers. And we're talking to Billy Jaffe, uh, Bruins analyst on Nesson and, of course, on the NHL uh, network. And, and just ta- talking about Miller a little bit, you know, I, I saw when Crosby scored that goal, and, and nobody brought it up, but it's just a thing that I can't stand right now. Uh, and I see it on a consistent basis. There was no reason for Miller to go over and just give Crosby a two-handed cross check for no reason at all after he scored the goal. And I really, I realized there was some you know, discrepancy in whether the, the the puck went in or not. But I mean, it clearly after it did, he still gives him a two-handed shot. And I just that sort of stuff to me. And I mean, maybe it doesn't bother you, but we see it all all over the ice, whether it's you know in play or after a goal. That that sort of stuff needs to get cleaned up. I mean, somebody's going to get hurt and. Crosby didn't even seem to care, which I guess maybe I shouldn't either. Well, you know, when you're on the outside looking in, you're not in the actual battle, whether you're a broadcaster or a fan. Oftentimes it's harder, right? You take those things um, because you're not the one who giveth or taketh. You know what I mean? Um, you know, fans have it the worst because fans are always the one that are left lamenting with, with the only thing they have when I say skin in the game, is their passion, their emotion, whereas players can actually have a hand or a foot in the game, so to speak, a stick in the game, and they have some control over it. That's why players are always more, yeah, well, you know, we lost, but and fans are more, you know, up in the air, arms in the air saying, you're crazy, you got crushed. So I, I think these type of things, we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of stick fouls in these playoffs, way too many of like we've seen, Saw two significant ones. One cut the right eye of Patrice Bergeron from Sebastian Ajo. Was it intentional? No, but it was heavy duty and it was dangerous. It was close to you know taking the eye out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're talking inch, like an inch, mm-hmm. half an inch. And we've seen a high stick from Forbert that he actually got fined on earlier in the series against Carolina. So we're seeing a lot of that stuff. We're, and and I don't know. I mean, the, are the players just getting careless? Are they? I, I'm not sure. I don't want to go off on the officiating here too much, but and I'm a fan of the officials. I love them, and I officiated college hockey years and years ago, and I, I know a lot of these guys well. I feel like we've lost a little bit of the feel, though, of playoff hockey with how some of these games are being called, and I am the last one to criticize the officiating. I'm just being honest and sharing my my hockey analyst you know, eyes here. I feel like we're making some calls on certain things, that you're like, holy smokes, like that's being called, whereas other stuff's being missed, and you're like, holy smokes, how did you miss that? Yeah, because we were talking to Dave Jackson last week, and and he was saying that, you know, when people complain about the the officials putting the whistles away, I mean, statistically, that's just not true. That may be the way you're seeing the game based upon what you want to happen, but statistically, that's not true. They're even calling more. Well, they are calling more now, and and – I just think that we've lost the, uh, the flow of five-on-five five hockey come playoff time. I mean, you got to battle your backside off in the playoffs. I've seen some, like last night, you know, I'm doing the Bruins game, but then I end up watching, you know, with the uh, during the intermissions or the highlights, the uh, Toronto-Tampa, and there was a five-on-three penalty that was called when Corey Perry basically lost an edge. Now, it's an it's a easy game sitting where I sit. I get it. I do. You know, I'm either 
you know, on the fifth floor of the TD Garden watching from a nice perch, and it's a real easy game. And, I again, I've officiated the college at Division One level. I know how hard it is. Not the NHL, but I understand it's crazy hard and fast. And you're going to miss stuff, right? But these are the best in the world they're supposed to be. And we're seeing some both. By the way, I've seen five-on-three calls made in this Bruins series, both for the Bruins and against them, where I'm like, oh, no, that's not a five-on-three call. Come on now. But, you know, again, I don't want to go on off on it too much. I hope that it. when I say mm-hmm. that it lightens up a little bit, I mean the beauty of the first round of the NHL playoffs for us hockey people is the fact that you usually have let's say seven of the eight series that are absolutely enormously entertaining nail-biting vicious uh you know intense all those great adjectives i just feel like the games have been so officiated in certain ways that it's kind of taken away from some of that unpredictability and we're seeing these blowouts in many of these games that i don't know it hasn't been the same to me I'm a big proponent of, of robot referees. I don't know if that's no. going to happen. I'm just kidding, Steve. Oh, Relax. Just, it's, I mean, just call it's the a little, game. It's the way it's supposed little to be called. Have a feel relief. for what you're doing. Hey, Billy, real quick. Um, oh. I know it's been a while since you were uh, around the Islander organization, um, but I just want to get your thoughts about what happened with Barry Trotz and uh, what do you think Lou Lamarillo's yeah. thought process was? And, and two, where does Barry wind up coaching if he decides he wants to coach? And who takes his spot on the island? Well, um, uh, and who is going to win the cup? (laughs) By the way, (laughs) when you're at it, (laughs) Uh, reverse order. Who's going to? I mean, I think they're going to consider Lane Lambert. Here's the thing: this is a this this will answer two of your three questions, I believe. Um, Lou Lamarillo has to have an idea. Lou does not do anything without knowing his next step, or at least having a Mm -hmm. a significant step forward made. I, he has to have an idea of at least two guys that he wants and he knows that he can get. Right. Is that Elaine Lambert, who's an assistant there? Uh, is that Does he go you know, heavy duty and get Mike Babcock for this team? Um, you know, is it a, it, it, I mean, he, he actually, what, fired Claude Julian once, right? That's right. So, and they were in first place. Right. So, But does he go and get him who's not coaching? I, I mean, yeah. this is my take. I, I don't know an absolute. I don't know a single thing on this whatsoever, guys. Yeah. My guess is that they, Lou felt that, you know, the style that Barry was coaching, which is what attracted Lou in the first place, was wearing down certain perhaps players on that team, and, and he must have had some kind of vibe that it wasn't getting through anymore. Mm-hmm. And there, for some reason, and Barry's one of the greatest guys that you'll meet, and therefore, Lou just Lou doesn't you know he doesn't hesitate. He makes a decision. He goes with it. Yep. But this is a ginormous move that he's made. And now this team, which got very old on the back end, yes, uh, needs a bit of a, they need some, they need some heavy duty Botox. They might need more than Botox yeah. because they they might need a full facelift on that back end there as well mm-hmm. as Noah Dobson has matured. They got two or three spots back there that aren't going to yes. be as fulfilled. And, and and therefore, I don't know what new coach can can make them, but. They need. Um, I mean, I can't tell you. I can't sit here and say they need more structure. Maybe they. Maybe they need a little more flow to their game. And if that's the yeah. case, then you're going to look for a newer coach that's going to let the guys go a bit more. You know, it's it's funny here in Vegas. People complain about George McPhee being like the Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. <laughs> but compared to it's Lou, true. George is an open book. I mean, if you're covering the Islanders, you know, if you're Andrew Gross or or Kevin Kurtz, or any of the other folks who are covering that team, you know it's an exercise in frustration trying to deal with Lou. He's never going to shoot straight with you and tell you what you want to know until it's his decision to tell you. And and it makes yeah. it very tough to ascertain really what's going on there. And obviously, you know, um, Ledecky and Malkin have given Lou carte blanche, much like Bill Foley has George McPhee here in Vegas to do whatever he feels is best for the hockey team. I mean, that's yep. just the way yep. it is, right, Billy? Well, it's going to be on him. I mean, obviously it's always on him, but and he is the man in charge. But uh, this is a huge move, especially from an internal and an optically external. You know, I mean, look, a guy like Barry Trotz, I think I'm sure you guys already discussed this. If he wants to coach, he will have a job. 
Yeah. Does he want to get right back in to the Winnipeg Jets? You know, he's from Brandon, Manitoba. Does That's he right. go back there? Yeah. Um, you know, what happens in Vegas? I think what the Wheat Kings are looking for a GM. <laughs> the Wheat Kings. <laughs> <laughs> if he wants yeah, to go well, to Brandon. Well, there you go. And, and like, what What's the situation in many cities? I think after this yeah. first round, you know, you could have some more stuff. But Barry's got the, the benefit of being, first of all, a fantastic human being. Second of all, a wonderful coach, and third of all, he's got the he's got the benefit of experience and and, and just and, and financial on his side. You, got, you know, he can just he can wait it out right now, and that's that's a benefit. You know, it's a, to use a Vegas term, he's he's got the ability to push back from the table and walk away and do whatever he wants to do right now, and that's a real that's a real benefit as a coach. Hey Billy, what did you think about the headbutt by? Darnell Nurse and Philip Deneau. I mean, it was. I saw it today. That's I was working, you know, late. Yeah, it was stupid. Like that, that's a. If there's ever, a, geez, a, a brain cramp in a game five, and your team's battling, and then you end up. I mean, you do that, and now you're going to get suspended. I, I, I haven't checked. I just saw it this morning. I, I went to bed very late and got up very early to get my son to power skating. So I'm working on a, about three hours sleep after the shows last night and everything. And I caught up on some highlights and I'm like, holy smokes, what was that? Well, was not, stupid. not only that, I mean, it was right after, you know, a two-handed chop to, to the shins, which apparently didn't satisfy him enough. And he's like, okay, we're going to go headbutt now because I need to feel good about what's going on. Yeah. And, I, and I guess if you're going to take somebody off the ice, I mean, that's uh, that's a guy they need off the ice because yeah. uh, the, the LA Kings have really matched up well with Edmonton yeah. and really have taken away, you know, obviously the, the two best players in the world, which really, you know, speaks a lot about, you know, you talk about depth and you, you talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and, and guys that are contributing. And, you know, I mean, I just think when you're talking about the Oilers, it, again, we go back to 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 depth. And maybe uh, you can't really point to, you know, the guys that will talk about goaltending. They'll point to statistics where, you know, Mike Smith's goal statistics are so much better than, than Jonathan Quick at this point. But, but really, I mean, Jonathan Quick has been fantastic in net. And they really have done a great job up the middle against Edmonton, which we said was well, going to happen going into the series. Yeah, I mean, I did think Edmonton was going to win early on. You know, just like okay, they would they would have their hands full because Todd McClellan here has a team that really plays the one-three-one neutral zone very well. And um, if you go back, I can't remember the exact date, but it was in December. They stifled Edmonton. I believe it was five to one. And I talked to them. I talked to L.A., one of the coaches on L.A. Uh, soon after that, and he just talked about the, the – it wasn't that this is a new system that, that they're playing there, but Todd brought it the one three one there a couple of years ago when he came from Edmonton. He wanted to always play it, and he thought it was a good thing in L.A. And they've been very effective. And so they take away the middle of the ice. They do better puck retrievals. And, yeah, they're getting enormous goaltending from Jonathan Quick, too. But, you know, it's funny, Edmonton – has nine points from Connor McDavid and seven from Leon Dreisaitl, but it's, they're getting them at times, but it's just not always, you know, they can't always count on them. And, and, and how about Kane? I mean, he had a hat trick. I know, what does he have, five goals in the series already, too? But after that, LA's done a beautiful job, and that place is going to be going nutso tomorrow night. Oh, my gosh, is that going to be going crazy? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and all without Drew Doughty. So, hey, we appreciate yeah. it very much, Billy. You're an old friend of the show, and we thank you yes. for coming on, and all the best to you uh, and the Bruins in the future. Thank you, Billy. Yeah, pleasure. Keep on keeping on, guys. Keep chatting hockey out there. Have fun. We'll all do. Right, there goes Billy Jaffe. Uh, analyst for the Boston Bruins and the NHL Network. And we'll be back after taking a short break, and we'll talk to Vince Sapienza from Fox 5. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. 
Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sports books. Okay, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline from the Brian Blessing Studio. Brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. We're having an in-depth conversation here, and you're like, you're on! I mean, it's it's a good thing we have the, the, light, the, yeah. the red light special. You know, yeah. would just ha- one, one of these days when things slow down, yes, we what? should have that conversation we had off the air, on the air, about... We were talking about broadcasters, specifically yeah. a couple of female broadcasters who are trying to make their way in the sport, and, and some are hitting... Some are missing, and um, so we were talking about that, and I was talking about the guy in Toronto who uh, is the radio play-by-play guy for the Leafs. I forgot his name, but boy, you talk about homers. Man, this guy made Jack Edwards look neutral, (laughs) sound neutral. Yeah, I don't... And we all know Jack Edwards bleeds black and gold with the Bruins, and... And that's fine. You See, know, I have this I mean, you can conver- take that or leave it. I have this conversation about Jack Edwards all the time. I, I don't – and again, it's real simple when you're watching the games through my lenses, I guess, through my lens. I don't know <laughs> if it's lenses, but it, it's really simple. It's yeah. – I like Jack a lot. But I could tell if you are not a, a Bruins fan – Which I'm not. Which you made the mistake of not being – then You're you would absolutely. New York, oh, I'm sorry. Dana? Is that not what you? I'm from. I'm from upstate New York too. I'm from the city. There's no way I could be a Bruins fan. Ah, you're from Jersey. No, <laughs> only one year at Kendall Park. Otherwise, I was no, in Brooklyn. Oh, Kendall Park. What? Those were the days. Oh, What's man. Kendall Park? 
It's a <laughs> suburb of Menlo Park in New Jersey. Google it. <laughs> I get right on that. Let's go to break so I can Google that. Um, anyway. Let's bring in Vince. Let's bring Vince in. <laughs> Let's bring in Vince Sapienza, four times four time Emmy Award winner at Fox Five, and, and Vince. Pretty cool to see Nick Wan, Zach Whitecloud, and Logan Thompson uh, named to the Canada Canada's World Championship team. Yeah. In addition to Nick Holden. Well, hey boys, thanks for having me. Uh, great yes, to see you, Steve. Great to chat with you. Thanks, Dana, Vince. As always, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, in a season where nothing seemed to go right. For anybody on this team, really, uh, you know. Of course, those guys are all hurt now, but that's okay. Yeah, so so a little piece of silver lining, you know, you know, you hear Nick Waugh's story about, you know, how his family treated the championships like a Super Bowl, the way they would all get together, they would watch Canada. And so it's stories like those that make these announcements so great, them being able to put on. Uh, that sweater, that jersey, being able to, you know, reap some of the reward of, of their hard work, not just this season, but an accumulation of their hockey career. I think it's fantastic. And obviously all three are well-deserved and all three, uh, you know, I think are, are pretty big focal points for this team moving forward. It just came out the other day that Jack Eichel had been playing with, uh, I guess, a broken thumb. So he's <laughs> got a broken thumb, can't sell his house in Buffalo. How, how does one go about playing 19 games with an appendage that seems to be pretty essential to playing a game? I mean, we hear broken thumb, and I think, well, how, how are you even playing with, with a broken thumb? Yeah, you know, it, it's fascinating, and, and we knew that there was something going on with the hand. We just didn't know what or, or the severity of it. But now that that's come out, I mean, it explains a lot. I mean, the guy played 35 ga- or 34 games, whatever it was, 25 points with a broken thumb for, for 19 games. That's incredible. A guy coming off of nearly a year layoff, neck surgery, new team, new community, uh, the entire pressure of making the postseason essentially on his shoulders with all – uh, of the main players out for the Golden Knights down the stretch, and he was gritting it out. And, you know, there was just sitting there I'm times. I'm, I'm watching the game, and I'm like, man, he's not attacking the net like I remember he used to yeah. in Buffalo. I mean, this guy is a prolific goal scorer, as as good of uh, as good of a passer as he is. But he wasn't attacking the net. He wasn't going into uh, you know the slot a whole bunch. He was picking and choosing his time, and I just thought that was so odd because that's not what we've seen. In years past, now that kind of explains a lot. When you got sticks and guys hacking at you, when you're coming in the slot, you're trying to protect yourself as much as you can. When you have a broken thumb, you know, you're already at a disadvantage. So I think that says a lot uh, about Jack, you know, the player, the person, and, and what kind of player the Golden Knights have in terms of playing through injury, you know, not making excuses because he never once, even in his post uh, uh, presser exit last week, Never once mentioned that he was dealing with anything or he was limited. So I think that says a lot. And, and again, you know, we use the word potential a lot, right, especially with this group. Year five is going to be talked about injuries and potential. But when you look at the potential of this group, you know, most if if most come back and the core is kept intact, you kind of drool at the potential of a Jack Eichel getting some rest, you know, a full training camp, mm. more familiarity with the coaches, his area, all, all that, and, and see what he can do, you know, in an 82-game yeah. season. I think that bodes well. You know, under normal circumstances, Vince, they would have put him on LTIR as soon as they knew he had broken his thumb so he could heal up for the playoffs. Again, like I said, under normal circumstances. But given that they were already kind of ltir out, they really couldn't do that, and he kind of took one for the team. You know, if you remember, he didn't take many face-offs. Um, just like you said, his passing, his shooting was, was just a bit off. His timing was such, and again, it was like a fluke play, kind of like how you know, Martinez broke his foot a year ago and played through that. But, you know, you're talking about trying to keep this roster together, and I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way in hell they could keep this roster <laughs> no, together. No, of course not. No. They're $12 million over the cap. And that's not paying Nick Watt, not paying Keegan Colasar. Are they going to keep, you know, Matthias Yanmark and Riley Smith? Okay. 
if you're Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, what do you do to, first of all, keep your roster as intact as possible, the way you had it designed, and how do you stay cap compliant? Have you given this much thought? Yeah, I mean, this is, well, you said it, the $12 million question this offseason. I mean, you know, we talk about his McCrimmon stain. Well, Bill Foley says yes. It seems like Pete DeBoer's stain. So now, what do you do? How do you improve this lineup? I don't know if you necessarily improve it as much as you rest it up, but to your point, I mean, moves have to be made. I think they're going to go the route of trying to move to Donov again. Uh, as ugly of a situation as it was at the deadline, I think I don't know how. I don't see how he is on this roster next season. Uh, mm-hmm. I look at a guy like Matias Yanmark. I know Pete DeBoer loves this guy. I just don't know if there's room for him. I mean, yeah. you, you talk about guys that anybody who wants to stay and the Golden Knights wants to stay, you're asking for severe hometown discounts for these guys. <laughs> I mean, a, a guy yeah. like Nick Waugh, I mean, in their perfect world, and Pete DeBoer talked about it, McCrimmon talked about it, in a perfect world, Nick Waugh was their fourth-line center. I think we all can agree Nick Waugh is much more than a fourth-line center. What his feeling is, I'm still not 100%, but his value is is well north of a fourth-line center. Is he going to take that discount of what it would need to be to stay? I don't know. I mean, I mean that, that's a that's a big big question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just look at the guys that you know. Max Pacioretty's entering a contract year. He's getting paid seven million. I mean, is that a guy you're looking at? But if you're doing that, you're you're taking away your top line winger, right. your 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 goal scorer. Um, yeah. I, I know that the the organization desperately wants to keep Riley Smith. Riley Smith said prior to training camp last year. If he was his agent, he would sign whatever, whatever contract they put in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's <laughs> that's not going to happen. The agent's going to have something to say about that. But I, I mean, Riley Smith, I think, will do what's necessary to stay. If if I were a betting man, uh, this is this is a guy who loves it here, wants to be here. His his biggest successes were here. But in order for that to happen, other guys are going to have to move. It's just. Yeah. The math is. I'm not a math guy, guys, but I do know people have to move. Uh, right. They they seem to give a ringing endorsement for Robin Leonard, so his his five million no. staying on the books. I find it hard pressed to believe Laurent Brassois will be on this roster next no year. Way. I think Logan Thompson has done too much. No way. Uh, yeah. and, you know, called a small sample size. He's done too much. He's on uh, you know an eight hundred thousand dollar contract. I mean, that is something that is vital for this team. At this point, um, I mean, again, but, you're just looking at the numbers and you're like, okay, where can they squeeze out? I mean, they're they're so lucky with what they have in Chandler Stevenson at two point seven five million. Yeah. Um, you're probably Ar- arguably the best and, trade they ever made, by the way. Arguably, I <laughs> I would say it one hundred percent is the best trade that they've ever made. Yeah. Just in terms of absolute value, I yeah. mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's even close, but. Yeah. When you okay, so you take the Donov out of the, that's five million. You're still you're still looking at seven million yep. that you need to to clean out. Right. Um, you know, who? I wish I had an answer for you. I don't know how yeah. they're going to do it unless unless they think that this Mark Stone injury is going to linger early on. Well, uh, unless they have another move in their back pocket, I I just don't see what they're going to do. What I do know is I feel like. The fans are, are – it's going to be another frustrating offseason seeing guys yeah. go this, this summer. You're right. And, and of course, we still don't know who's going to be the coach of this team. Is Pete DeBoer coming back? Is he leaving? He has one year to go on his deal. There's a lot of good names out there, a lot of options. If you notice, Bill Foley, in his story with Dave Shane the other day, did not mention Pete DeBoer coming back. He did mention Kelly McCrimmon coming back. So I think they're still weighing their options with their head coach. Also, the other thing is teams know that this the, the Golden Knights are in a bit of a bind with the cap. I don't see them bailing out Vegas, no. you know, with you know, taking Robin Leonard off their hands or taking 
uh, Riley Smith, you know, in trade when they can wait for him to hit the open market. You know, there, there's a lot of things this this organization's up against as uh, we're moving forward toward the and they don't have a first round draft pick. I don't see them drafting back, you know, trading back into the first round for anybody at this point, unless they're yeah, going to give up I somebody think, you know, big, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at the Dodonov situation at the deadline. I mean, they had to pay essentially through the nose just to try and get him off the books. And if it was expensive at the deadline, it's all, that, that that cost is only going up this offseason knowing that their feet are against the fire and that they have to become captain compliant because that, that number resets. Yeah. So that's not going to be – like, you could say, yeah, you got to get rid of Dodonov. That's not an easy thing to do. No. Yeah, he proved to be valuable late in the year, but teams, nobody's doing Vegas any favors. I think we saw that at the deadline. We, we, we've seen that with the reaction from uh, the rest of the league, the teams, the fans. I mean, nobody's feeling sorry. You know, it's so funny. Steve, you, you've been in those pressers a ton, and how many times did we hear them say, nobody's feeling sorry for us when we lose? Yeah. Well, now, you know, they're, they're enjoying it. They're, they're enjoying seeing yeah. the demise of this franchise at the moment. And uh, I mean, you know, Bill Foley talked about in that article with, with Dave about how he's going to do more hands on in terms of some of the moves, but I, I, it <laughs> that seems mean? like their hands are tied in some of these moves. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I mean, we're with uh, Ben Sapienza, four time Emmy Award winner at Fox 5, and we just got a couple minutes with you, Vince. But I, I did want to ask you about this. I was curious. I mean, is there a part of you that's it kind of scratches your head a little bit when you see George McPhee going on, and and I'm not ripping on this podcast, believe me, but you know you have 1,300 followers, and George McPhee goes on this po- random podcast in Canada to talk about the Golden Knights, and you know he's got he's got an army of a media here that wants to hear from him, but yet that's the direction he goes in. I mean, it's what what kind of message does that send? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, obviously not a good one. It, it's frustrating as a, as a member of the media, as someone who's reached out to the organization to talk to Bill, to talk to Pete, you know, separately within the last week and have heard nothing. Um, yeah, they don't even get back uh, yeah. to you. That's that's the yeah, infuriating so, I mean, part. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's frustrating. I mean, there's, there's a lot of decisions that they're going through right now and a lot of avenues. So, I mean, I understand. I understand it. That doesn't mean it's not frustrating because people want answers. Um, especially with a long summer, <laughs> the, those those requests and those uh, questions are only going to be louder and more often and, and things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, to, to C's point from earlier, I mean, it sounds like they haven't even made a decision on, on Pete DeBoer. Uh, I, I asked the organization if has there been any decision or a comment, and, again, I, nothing has come of it on that decision. Um, I just I find it very difficult to believe that this season cost him his job. I just, you know, we can talk about the excuses of injuries and and all that was going on. And But, man, I mean, these guys were running on fumes before the trade deadline. Uh, so we can talk about how, yeah, they had destiny in their hands, you know, the, the last couple weeks or so. But when you have guys that are 50%, 40%, I mean, some of your healthiest guys, Jack Eichel had a broken thumb. I mean, it's it's tough to to pin this on any you know one person. In my opinion, just I mean the amount of fluke injuries that happened, the amount of I mean these weren't just injuries to you know deaf guys. I mean these are your guys who are supposed to pull you in the fight, game in and game out. Pacioretty Stone plays half a season. You know you get Jack Eichel for thirty plus games. Uh, Alec Martinez, who's the heart and soul of that blue line, is, is out for nearly 60 games. I mean, I mean that's tough sledding. I mean, you're asking Jake LeCision and, and Ron Berg and, and Paul Cotter and guys like that to play, you know, 10, 12 minutes and, and produce. And in those roles, those are the emotional energy type roles. Well, those aren't energy role type players, uh, you know, when you look at what, what they're supposed to be. They're not William Carrier's or cold down effect. I, I know fans are tired of hearing the injury uh, talk, but it's impossible to have any discussion about year five of the Golden Knights and not have that be at the focal point of the conversation. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And, and there's the underlining things that are going on too. I mean, when you hear Will and Carlson talk about 
need somebody to talk talk to to drive away the demons. I mean, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what to make of that. And we do know that Pete DeBoer was scheduled to meet with Kelly McCrimmon, I think, late last week, and no no word has come out of that. I mean, maybe they're uh, just kind of playing with, uh, poker with DeBoer and, and his future, waiting to see who does become available. So I don't know if there's any you know definitive uh, you know, decision of whether or not he's going to come back yet because I think they want to see exactly what they have to deal with before they make that choice. But, hey, hey Vince, we always appreciate you coming on. You're always terrific, yes. and I wish you and your family nothing but the best. Great. Thanks, guys, so much. Great to chat with you. Steve, great to hear from you as well. Dana, always a pleasure. Thanks, I appreciate Vince. you guys. Thanks, Vince. We'll talk. All right, there he goes, Vince Sapienza from Fox 5. Well, we did it again, boys. We fooled him again, Marie. Yes. We uh, appreciate you joining us. We want to thank Andy Esco from The Logical Approach, Mark uh, Mark Lawrence from PlaybookSports.com, and, of course, Billy Jaffe from Nesson and the NHL Network, and, of course, Vince Sapienza from Fox 5. We'll be on tomorrow. Andy, Ian Cameron will join us, Alan Snell, Hi. Russell Morgan, and Alex B. Smith. I may so. have to come in early for that tomorrow. Yeah, come on Dana. in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ian, you, Ian worked for me at gaming today. Yep. Great kid. Very knowledgeable hockey guy. And yep. Alan is, is a very good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think I may come in for the first hour as well. Awesome. If that's okay with you. No, that's fine with me. You can do the show if you want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back again 10 a.m. And from the Brian Blessing Studio, and thank you to Station Casinos and the STN app. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. The players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. Dash with skates a flash, the home team trails behind. But they grab the puck and go bursting up, and they're down across the line. They storm the crease like bumblebees, they travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside, it's a 1 1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Where hockey players face off down the rink And the Stanley Cup is all filled up For the champs who win the drink Now the final flick of the hockey stick And the one gigantic scream The puck is in, the Canadians win The good old hockey game Oh, the hockey game Is the best game you can name And the best game you can name Is the good old hockey game Oh, the good old hockey game the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good.